Welcome back, loyal listeners. Welcome, new listeners, to Runkle Recaps, How I Met Your Podcast. We're on Season 6, Episode 8, Natural History. With me, as always, my lovely wife and co-host, Jen. Hello. Welcome back, listeners. Feels like it's been a while. We had to restart this because I only <laughs> referred to her as my co-host, and she feigned anger. But it was her acting was too good, and I thought it might be awkward for the audience, so... <laughs> But I spared you that that uh, that trial that we just went through. So we have two emails to kick us off here, and they're they're long but enjoyable and interactive. And then we'll get into the episode. Awesome. Jen's been working from the office a lot more, and when she comes home, she is in no mood to podcast. So our it- days have been very select. It is very funny how I used to go to an office five days a week, and that was just life, and now I go two days a week, and I am exhausted. Like, I don't know, like, the extra commuting time, the actual face-to-face interaction, it wears me completely out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, humans have this capacity to just adjust to whatever they're dealing with day-to-day, so if you're poor and, you know, have pain in your life, that's just what you get used to. You know, and if you're going to work every day, that's just what you right. get used to. If you're staying home, that's what... So any any sort of change can be very abrasive at times, I'm sure. Let me start off with an email from Hugo. Writing to us again. Hey guys, it's Hugo again. Hello. I hope all is well at the Runkle House. It is. I recently remembered that you were surprised somebody in high school which was the age you guys thought Daniel was at first, would watch Himya. Well, let me tell you about how I, a 19-year-old male, once found the show. Oh, I don't know if we realized Hugo was so young. Uh, He's mentioned it once before, I believe. Okay. So I was in sixth grade, 12 years old, and I had a friend who was, let's not say, the best of friends. He sort of pressured me into watching because it was more mature than the crap on Disney Channel. Those were in quotes. And stuff like that. So I watched it, and I never stopped. I fell in love with it right away, and my relationship to this show is the only thing I take away from that friendship with a smile on my face. Like Zoe once said, quote, Sometimes things have to fall apart to make room for better things, end quote. Hmm, Very poetic. In the last seven to eight years, I have, as stated in earlier emails, watched Himium 11 times. And no piece of media means more to me than this show. The characters are completely insane, but still relatable on so many levels to so many different people. And when the emotional and heartbreaking moments come, they always hit you with a roundhouse kick right to the heart. Good callback. (laughs) When Robin turns Ted down for the final time and answers the question, do you love me with no, that breaks your heart. And this helped me get over my first unreciprocated crush. Rewatching the moment Marshall finds out his dad died and the following time of grief comforted me in ways I cannot describe. At times, I really needed it. I'm planning on getting a Himium tattoo sometime in the future to immortalize my love and adoration for the show. That sounds awesome. You have to send us a picture when you get it. I also wanted to say thank you to you guys. Thank you for covering this masterpiece of comedy and drama and giving me the space to share my thoughts on it with people who care, I hope. We do. Kindest regards and best wishes, Galactic President Superstar McAwesomeville. <laughs> nice. I feel like you're probably too young to remember these, but it felt like sort of a Casey Kasem oh, yeah. letter. I, I do reading. remember those. Dear Casey Kasem. Oh my gosh, Hugo will definitely not know what that is. No, absolutely not. <laughs> well, this was really nice, Hugo. Thank you for writing it in. 
Yeah, that's a good origin story for you, Hugo. And keep on writing in. We'll keep on reading them. And this was an especially touching and uh, interesting email. Yeah, definitely. Now, this next one is by Felix, who has a little bit of interactive play with us here. So <laughs> Nice. Why don't you take on Felix's email, Jen? Hey from Felix the Swede. I hope you all are great. I have five questions about him, Yim. Who is your favorite and least favorite out of the main characters? That's tough. I think my favorite's probably Robin. Okay. And my least favorite's probably Marshall, because he sort of... I, I, I connect with his character the least, I think. Didn't we talk about this the other day and say that you were like... Most like, oh, well, no, we were talking about something else. I think I was. We have had that conversation. I was thinking I was probably most like Robin. What were we talking about the other day, where we were trying to decide who you were? I don't remember. I think I remember us having that conversation, but yeah, but it wasn't the show. <laughs> oh, it was the Sex in the City significant others. Oh, okay. And I thought I was, or you thought I was a little bit of Big and a little bit of Steve. Was that it? Or no, no? Um, Harry. Oh, Harry, that's right. Yeah, of course. Oh, this is such a hard question for me. Because they all, like, go through, like, really annoying phases. But then they all have really good phases, too. I mean, I could write (laughs) essays about why each one could be my favorite and least favorite. But I'd say, as it stands right now, I'm going to go with Barney. I'm feeling Barney right now, just, like... Because we know the journey he's about to go on, and you see the growth he's had from season one to now, and then you know where he'll continue to go. And then you these... like his trajectory the most. It sounds like yeah, I did. And then I think I don't know. Lily... After this episode, it's hard not to say. Lily. Yeah, I was going to say this. <laughs> this episode has to be very much skewed based on what happened and what's coming. But yeah, Lily was super annoying this episode, and. Yeah, she. Ha- I've seen a lot of Lily hate in the world. Like I'm on, like one or two How I Met Your Brother Facebook groups. I don't see very often, but I'd say at least a third of the posts I do come up with are all about why Lily's the worst and why does anyone like her. But she definitely has some unredeemable moments. Yeah, I, I would have leaned towards Lily, except I think like three of my top favorite moments in this show star her. Or she's the one that's making me laugh at them. So it's hard for me to hate her when she's made me laugh so much and mm-hmm. almost more than the others in her height. Heightened moments. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that I hate her, but she... I don't know, but then, yeah, Barney has some really dislikable moments too, so... Yeah, it's a flip-flopping change-up depending on what season we're in. Right. Two, favorite and least favorite side character. Oh, wait, doesn't he say... Oh, sorry, yes. Felix's answer was my favorite is Marshall and least is Lily. Um, number two, favorite and least favorite side character cam- slash cameo. My favorite is Conan O'Brien. Least is Becky. So he references, and I think we've probably said this, or I've said this in a trivia, that Conan on a silent auction won a walk-on. Oh, that's right. On, and so I think it's season seven where he shows up at the bar and just kind of walks through the crowd. <laughs> but they don't. no one recognizes him. He's probably he's, not really yeah. playing himself. Fun. And they offered for him to actually make it a real character of him or yeah. or a guest character that where he wasn't playing himself. He said, no, I just want to walk through. <laughs> nice. 
and Becky. Which one's Becky? Oh, Becky's oh, that's right. The weather, uh, the, the co-host. I feel like I should have gotten these questions ahead of time so I could have prepared. Yeah, I just looked at him. He, I'm not, when did he send this? March 27th. I just looked at this email today. Oh. It's <laughs> Right now we're, it's April 3rd that we're recording. So, so we're getting really on the fly. I didn't here. notice this one until I went in to go. I had already read Hugo's last week when we got it. And didn't when I went to go print it out, I noticed that we got another one in from Felix. So, yeah, we didn't have time to really prep for this. But that's okay. Let's kind of go on the fly here. Right. So, favorite side character? Mine's Simon. Right. I think I've said that in the past. Least favorite? I think I'm going to go with the second actor that played Robin's dad. Oh, interesting. In, in season nine, I feel like... They just don't give him good things to do, and he's such a caricature of, like, this yeah. rich survivalist alpha male type. So I think it's probably him. All right. Mine are going to have a little uh, pop star slant to them. So my favorite, I think, is Brittany and her playing... Abby. Abby, yes. She had a good run of... <laughs> Of episodes there. That was always really good. Um, least favorite, and I feel like it's coming up probably pretty soon, is Katy Perry's guest star. <gasps> really? She's, like, just as a character. Like, the, sh- the the episode is funny, but the character is just so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, okay. But, yeah, I, I love her cameo on this. Yeah. And, like, again, with more time, I might have different answers. But Did I ever tell you about the time I bumped into her? Katy Perry? I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, who are you mixing up for Katy Perry? All right, number three, the best quote. Oh, and Felix's... Oh, yeah, we already did Felix's. Okay, number three, the best quote. Felix's is... Go ahead and read it. Whatever you do in this life, it's not legendary unless your friends are there to see it. I'm guessing that's Barney? You didn't say who it is. Well, or maybe it's Ted. I couldn't really say a best quote... Off the top of my head. But I do know my favorite moment. Okay. Where words were spoken was when Lily was following Chloe. (laughs) And Chloe mistaked her for a humpback midget (laughs) little person. Right. That was following her and she was going, Chloe. I think that's my favorite moment. (laughs) My other great, that other great Lily Moan I was talking about was, was when she was dancing by the jukebox. Oh, yeah. But that's not really a quote, so I... I you can use least... that as the next question, best scene. Oh, okay. <laughs> best Does anything quote. jump to your mind? I'm going to spare Jen from passing out from having to <laughs> make a decision on a best quote. So she'll come back with hers in the next episode or two that we record. Um, so number four, best scene in the show... Felix's is when Marshall finds out the real voice messages from his dad. Yeah, he goes for the heartfelt stuff. Mm-hmm. It's one of the best parts of this show. So I already kind of said mine. Either the mm-hmm. jukebox scene or the, the Chloe, the Lily stalking Chloe thing. All right, number five. Wait, do you have a best scene? Oh, I thought I was going to save that for next time, too. Oh, okay. I can't really think it through. All right. Uh, five. five, which ending do you prefer, the real ending or the alternate ending? What's the alternate ending? I don't know if we've ever watched the alternate ending. I didn't know that they created one. and 
I feel like maybe I saw it like a million years ago and just forgot what it is. Maybe we need to watch it. Yeah, let's <laughs> report back. Yeah, that sounds familiar. I've heard something referenced as an alternate ending, but never really followed the trail of it. Right. So let us let us watch that and let us we'll let you know what we think. Yeah, because I don't know if it's that just Tracy doesn't die or. If it's, you know, she still does, but he doesn't end up with Robin, I can't, I don't remember. I feel like it has to be, like, that him and Tracy just, like, live happily ever after forever. Yeah, I probably would have been happier with that if that's what it is. But I don't hate that he still ended up with Robin, if even though that's the way we got there. But no, I would have much, I, I didn't hate the ending as much as other people did. Right. I, I didn't care much for the last season, but I... Yeah. The ending didn't bother me much more than the entire last season did, so. Yeah, it's funny. It actually came up in my Facebook memories, like, a couple of days ago. must have been the finale. Um, you know, however many years ago it was. And my thing was saying, like, oh, I actually liked that ending. Like, I didn't... Like, I guess some people had, like, a really bad reaction to it from the jump, and I I really didn't... It was unexpected. I, yeah. It came, like, you know... It was, it was unpredictable. Like a full circle moment, but yeah, it kind of sucks that they had to kill off <laughs> the mom. Right. Um, hold on, I think we still had a couple lines left. Oh, sure. All right. Um, so Felix's was the alternate ending. And so we will let you know next week, Felix. And hope you all have a blessed day. Thank you. You too, Felix. Thanks for writing in. Great questions, Felix. We love getting questions. Makes this thing a little more interesting. Yeah. Okay. What did you think of natural history? Uh, you know, it was another one of those that, like, I enjoyed, but I didn't laugh a lot. Yeah. And, you know, as I was running through, like, okay, there's a couple things, like, I can identify as, like, oh, these were probably, like, the best jokes, but even those I, like, didn't really laugh that much at. Yeah, agreed. I think I liked the episode itself. It didn't have a lot of big laugh moments, and Lily was a really big draw on the whole thing. Yeah. Really dragged the whole thing down. Yeah. She wasn't just... And we'll, I think we'll get into it later, but just like, honestly, why does she care? Like, why does she care that much? <laughs> She's living a good life. Yeah, I think it was kind of one of the few things she could hold on to that was part of their shared dream as they were coupling up was that she was going to be a painter and he was going to save the world and right. she can't be a painter because she's not good. <laughs> and now this was the last thing she could hold on to. But just like, I don't know, it seems like it came out of nowhere. There was a lot of things I enjoyed about this episode. I, I like the setting of it mm-hmm. in the museum. I thought the Barney Robin stuff was okay. I enjoyed it overall. I think I enjoyed it a lot more the first one or two times I saw it. Probably. Because everything kind of surprised you in it. Right. Like her walking through with the spear and the fur. <laughs> the first time I saw it, I'm sure I was cracking up. Right. Yeah, and a rewatch, yeah, I don't think it holds up. As well. All right, well, let's get into it. We start off at Ted and Robin's apartment. Ted's about to read the newspaper, presumably do his crossword puzzle, and he sees that Zoe has written an op-ed, basically trashing GNB, trashing Ted. I actually read the article <laughs> to see if there was anything interesting in it. There really wasn't. Okay. Um, but then the article's to the left and the right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice it, but I read it in the trivia. <laughs> yeah, actually, I paused. I was like, I bet there's something in here. <laughs> that was a good catch because I assumed it was, when I read the trivia on it, I assumed they meant the second imaginary article that uh, he was picturing okay. when she busted him on tape. 
But so there was other articles next to the left and right of Zoe's article. One of them mentioning doacetrepla. Mm-hmm. And how <laughs> the sewage treatment plant is ruining everything. And the other one included something about a cock, the cockamouse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did it say about Well, it, it was like half cut off. Okay. So you couldn't really see the whole thing. But it, it didn't say cockamouse, but it did say like half mouse, half cockroach. Oh, wow. <laughs> Sightings or something along those lines. Good job pausing it because I wouldn't have known if I hadn't read the... The trivia on it. I know. I was like actually kind of disappointed it was in the trivia because I was like, oh, I think I, I thought I had something. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it ruined his Saturday crossword, which he, I guess, is a thing for him. He says, I can't believe she singles me out by name, calls me a fat cat. Me and my fat cat friends. We're not fat cats. There's a great pan over to Barney and Marshall in Texas. <laughs> yes. It's, that, that is very, very funny. And their response to that, exactly. I say, Marshall, my good man, how's my bow tie? Impeccable, old bean. To industry. Ah, bully. (laughs) Because I had just watched this the other day, and I had a little happy hour, and I had a little happy hour with some workmates, virtually. So my boss's boss, who I go way back with, he said, hey, we're going to, you, me, and this other guy, we're going to have a virtual happy hour on Friday at like 3 o'clock or whatever. Or maybe it was Thursday. I can't remember now. Mm-hmm. And so I got my bottle of wine. I got my glass of wine. They both had beers. And they're making fun of me for having a white wine. <laughs> and I said, hey, this class is up this meeting. To industry. Because <laughs> you had already seen this episode. Or I guess I had gone through the... The transcript. Yeah. <laughs> Did they laugh? I can't remember. A little bit. <laughs> I think they were expecting me to feel shamed by having white wine, and I was oh, like, no. They clearly don't know you. You, you can't shame me for anything. No. You can't shame me for anything that is about masculinity. Right. All right, so the narrator explains that every year the Natural History Museum holds its Autumn Spectacular, and the Goliath Bank was one of the sponsors, I guess. And so they all got so tickets So everybody for gets it. to go, like the whole gang. Right. They're in a cab now. They're all squished in a cab, <laughs> yeah. dressed to the nines, but I'm surprised they didn't spring for a limo here. Yeah. Like call Ranjit. Call him up for trying to get to like, it's a not even, That's restaurant. true. That's not even Ranjit <laughs> right. driving them. Although you're right. He's a limo driver now. But this, yeah, this was a wasted seat not having Ranjit there. Yeah. Missed opportunity. So Marshall points out, look at us in tuxedos. Can you imagine if our college self saw us like this? And yeah, a little setup for him. Yeah, maybe this is why Lily goes into... Her little tiff. Yeah, Ted says that they would pelt fish bootlegs at themselves. Were you ever a fish fan? I wasn't, which I probably should have been since I like love Dave Matthews band. I don't think fish I don't feel like fish was big when I was in college. I feel like it was bigger in the year shortly after I got out of college. Yeah, I mean I knew people in my high school that like liked them, but I just yeah, it was never anybody in my friend group. I remember a guy I was buddies with who was sort of a little bit of a wannabe hippie. And him and another group of guys that I also knew but wasn't as close with, they all drove out to Red Rocks, Colorado to see fish. Nice. What do you mean nice? I want to go to Red Rocks just to see Dave. Sorry, that's where my brain went. I was like, oh, you can see Dave Matthews at Red Rocks. but. And I, I don't remember how I found out about this. Maybe it went out in a mass email or something because this is way before Facebook. But apparently my friend 
forgot to bring the tickets. <gasps> and they didn't figure this out until they were already, I don't know, six or seven hours into the drive. Shut up. Yeah. But I can't remember how I found out about that. But how did they, did somebody have to mail them to them? Did they go back? No, they went back. Oh, damn. The message I saw go out to a mass group of people was, seven hours into the drive, Harrigan realizes that he forgot the tickets. Classic Harrigan. Oh, my God. But I, God, for the life of me, I can't figure out how I was included in this message right. and how it went out. I actually did that at a Dave Matthews show. <laughs> went there and realized that you didn't bring uh-huh. the tickets. That seems like something you would do. Yep. Um, luckily, we had gone early because we were planning on tailgating anyway, so... And I wasn't six hours away. It was only, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. So it was a Yeah, a whole different story. <laughs> right. Marshall points out, yeah, they were pretty anti-establishment back then. And then they have a memory of a friend of theirs in college named Russell. And then we get a flashback to them in their dorm room. They're eating a sandwich. <laughs> right. And so... They're looking very 90s. <laughs> Russell doesn't even say anything. And they start ragging on him. Yeah, he comes in and... They start dunking on this guy who's standing in the doorway in a suit that turns out to be Russell. And none of their comments really make any sense. Right. But Russell doesn't say much, and then he just leaves. And right away, Ted shows up, like a <laughs> right. second after Russell walks out, and he's looking for Russell. Right. They, they should have said two minutes later or something, because it just didn't make sense that right. Ted walked in one second after Russell left. And didn't see him. Russell's suit looks so much like Someone in college who would own a suit looks like. Yes. Like ill-fitting, <laughs> right. black. I was watching some scenes from Adam Sandler getting the Mark Twain Award at the Kennedy Center. Mm-hmm. I like to see okay. some. Was that recent? Or this yeah, it was in the last couple of weeks. Oh, okay. And I like to watch the people that go up and speak that are comedians because they'll just roast Adam mm-hmm. Sandler. And then finally, whoever's winning the award goes up to accept the award and Adam Sandler goes up there in the most illest-fitting suit. It's like, dude, come on. I know you're not a fashion guy, but can you buy a suit that fits you for this occasion? That's funny. I mean, of all the people that I think would care <laughs> about that, Adam Sandler's not one of them. Of course not. That's why he didn't do it, and I can't be mad at him for it. But Yeah, it is surprising they didn't have like a stylist or something. So it turns out Russell, <laughs> when Ted comes in looking for Russell, he was going to give him a ride to his dad's funeral. Mom's funeral. Oh, mom's funeral. <laughs> yeah. Um, Robin says that she wishes she knew them back then because you can't kick a story in the nuts. Right. Which, you know, that's okay. And then the Lily Dreary begins. Hey, we're still those people. Right. One of these days, Marshall's going to quit his job and go to work for the NRDC and save the world. Right, baby? I mean, so here's the thing. Like... She knows, presumably, how much money Marshall makes. And presumably how much money you would make working for the NRDC. Or, or is it like one of those situations where she has nothing to do with the bills? Like, you have to... I don't know. That would be like me advocating for you to go <laughs> get a job making half the money, knowing, you know... What a financial bind that would put us right. in. Well, and you did, for a little bit. When I took that huge pay cut at my last job, well, yeah, but that wasn't intentional. <laughs> that wasn't a that wasn't me pushing you. It to was do a, it. it was a downturn, but you supported me taking the chance that we'd turn it around and I'd get my salary restored, and yeah. I'd have sh- enough shares in the company that they it would make up to me when the company was sold. 
But so you were supportive of that, like yeah. she is. That's a completely different situation than me advocating for it. It was, yeah, we'll we'll play this out because this is the situation we're in. Yeah, we'll take a gamble. But not like, hey, you should you should just go make less money. Yeah, go to a startup and <laughs> big scratch. Right. And so yeah, just like it's is it willful ignorance on her part or is she like, you know, I I can't imagine Lily would be like one of those people that turns complete finances over to their husband. It's hard to explain this with any backstory or anything of that right. nature. She doesn't go this route that often, and she was always really supportive of him in situations where he might not make much money. Right. But she was also she was really excited when she found out what his salary was. And That's true, too. Shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember there was a point at which he was having to decide what job to take. Right. And she supported him taking the NRDC job because that's his dream. And so it's nice that she's the kind of wife that I'll support you mm-hmm. with your dreams, even if it means we've got us tighten our belts significantly. Right. But you're two people living in New York City. Right. Planning yeah, on having I th- children. I think you're partially right in that she just doesn't think about the long term and the finances of it all. You can't be a couple in New York City and then think you're going to have kids and be able to afford anything. Yeah, especially if they're planning two to four of them. Daycare is not cheap. Summer camp is not cheap. No. Anybody that's thinking so about expensive. having children. He responds to her in the cab when she says this is absolutely, which will come back around. Mm-hmm. And he's you know, pointing out, he, you know, nobody's the same as they were in college. Now I wear a suit to work every day. And yeah, her next line's very strange. Yeah, but you wear it ironically. Like Ted's fanny He's, pack, which it doesn't sound like Ted wore ironically at all. <laughs> so like Ted legitimately wore that. Cause yeah, it's like Ted's response. Next time we go to Great Adventure, you're carrying your own sunblock. <laughs> His delivery. <laughs> but that line, yeah, these two lines in a row just really annoy me. The first one of her being, right, baby, you're going to save the world? Right. Which is such a huge exaggeration. <laughs> And then, well, yeah, but you wear it ironically. No, he doesn't. He goes to a place where he has to wear a suit, and that's sort of the dress code. He's not wearing it ironically. That makes no sense. Now, fanny packs, they took a big hit back in the day. Everyone got made fun of that was actually wearing fanny packs. But basically, that the strap backpack that people are wearing now, it's just a fanny pack that you're wearing around, you know, strapped over one shoulder. And there are still fanny packs. I guess, yeah. But, but Ted, I do not see Ted wearing his fanny pack ironically. He is wearing it because it is a useful very true. <laughs> carrying So device. it was a bad simile on her part. All right, we're at the museum. As soon as we get there, Lily brings up that she had once at a museum snuck under the rope of an exhibit. And Barney then comes in and comes over the top of her story and says, when he was a kid, he knocked down the blue whale. And he told the backstory of his uncle Jerry bringing him to the museum told him not to touch anything, and of course, that is going to, and still would, inspire <laughs> Barney to misbehave and do that kind of thing. So, supposedly, he snapped the rib off of a triceratops, and blah 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 knocked down the whale. He surprised security, didn't stop him on the way in. Robin's got a good line. Well, I'm sure they don't remember. I mean, it's been like 30 years since that completely made-up story didn't happen. <laughs> this is her being Robin the Skeptic, kind of like right. the cockamouse. Yes. Um... Barney points out this is... You mean we don't know much, as in it doesn't actually exist? (laughs) This is not the natural stuff that happened no more than five minutes ago museum. Yeah, it's the history museum. 
Arthur, then, go ahead. That's it. Arthur comes up, uh, wants to introduce Marshall and Barney to his old friend from Exeter. Is that college or high school? That's a high school. Okay. It's a it's a private school and usually considered the number one private school in the whole country. Okay. I, I knew it was something it's, fancy, it's in New but I Hampshire or Massachusetts, one of those. Okay. Um, so he introduces George Van Smoot, who <laughs> advises them that they can and should call him the captain. And he has a captain's hat on and very red pants and a very red tie. He yes. I don't get the red pants. Yeah. Is that a is that a big boat look wearing I have red pants? No idea, but he definitely stands out from everybody else. I really, really love Marshall here because he's <laughs> so formal, but like in awe of what's happening. With the captain. Yeah. <laughs> Where he just keeps, like, anytime he's addressing anything to the captain, he's referring to him as the captain, not just captain. Right. <laughs> Silly. I like it. Apparently, Arthur and the captain back in school were both in the production of Guys and Dolls, although Captain was just the assistant stage manager. So it was. Nathan Detroit, a character in Guys and Dolls? I didn't know what this meant. Yeah, he was one of the two main characters. Oh, okay. Arthur introduces Marshall and Barney as the future of Goliath National Bank. (laughs) The captain says, well, ahoy! Apparently, the captain pretty much paid for this entire shindig. Tells him not to touch anything. Barney says, challenge accepted. Marshall, thank you, the captain. (laughs) (laughs) Lily... Makes comment about the future of Goliath National Bank. And then Marshall breaks the news that Arthur offered him a five-year contract. Lily kind of assumes that he's just going to turn it down, but suggests not to do it now. And then refers back to a time at the prom when she broke up a scooter right before the pictures. Why would they take the picture? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, a good reason to have a flashback to high school scooter. Yeah, high school Scooter has, again, really long blonde hair in this one. Yep. This is maybe after he said he could look even more like Kurt Cobain. I don't think Kurt Cobain's hair forgot that long. Maybe not. And I like how his shirt was a tux print shirt, not like a tuxedo (laughs) shirt. Which was clearly, he was wearing ironically. Yes, definitely. Um, Marshall says he thinks he's going to say yes. Now we cut over to Barney and Robin hanging out by a sarcophagus? Is that what this thing is? I'm, I can't remember what they were standing next to. Oh, okay. It was like a coffin, kind of golden. Is that a sarcophagus? I think so. <laughs> Should we ask Tyler? But he's learned about it. <laughs> oh, he has that whole like Escape from Egypt book that he <laughs> he's been reading. Should we call him down and ask? No. <laughs> so Barney's just kind of putting his finger on something. Robin shames him that that's nothing and that he has tiny small potato-like testicles. And she strokes the same exhibit. And then they get this... From here, they just keep escalating the exhibit touching. Right. Barney, like, takes the belt and, like, bangs it a couple of times. Yeah, now they've got... Both got their hand on the exhibit. Like, it's a... You know, whoever moves their hand first loses. And I look at you guys. Get your other hand off my ass. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, now we're back to Lily and Marshall. Lily is confused. Why is he going to say yes to a five-year contract? Marshall says he wants to keep working there. Ted comes in and wants to point out an architecture fun fact. The way the acoustics were built into this structure, you can say something very softly on one side of the room if you stand in a certain spot. 
and people on the other side of it will be able to hear you. I've actually experienced this once. Oh, yeah? It was, and it was an outdoor exhibit. Oh, interesting. But it was the D.C. Smithsonian Museum of Sculptures, or the Sculpture Museum. Okay. That sounds like a thing that's outside. Yeah, and they, there, were, there was an area outside where if you said something on one end of it, you could hear it on the other end. It was kind of cool. Hmm. That is cool. Apparently, this museum actually exists in L.A. That's where they filmed it. That's where this phenomena happens. Okay. And we get a running gag of Ted saying dirty words across the room. And at one point, he's saying it, and he sees the woman turn around when he says poo-poo. Right. Or poo-poo platter, and it's Zoe. Zoe. Looking great. Yeah, she does look very nice. So he goes over immediately... Wants to know what she's protesting. Rising cost of jet fuel, the government's oppressive top hat and monocle tax. <laughs> I like her response. What are you doing here? Oh, right, a beautiful old building. You're here to knock it down. Can I drink and finish my drink first? And then the captain comes up. <laughs> and here's where we learn that the captain and Zoe are married. <laughs> Ted's response. Yeah, old stuff's great. We go back to Robin and Barney. They're still, they still have their hands on the exhibit, and Barney's trying to reach for his drink. She still has hers. And I don't know if you saw this, but she spit her drink back into the glass. No. It was an editing mistake. Oh. <laughs> but she was clearly trying to not make her glass go down so quickly, her, right. the fluid in it. And so as he's reaching, you can see her spitting it back in. Oh, funny. And it's supposed to be scotch. And I noticed it when she did, and I was like, oh, is that... Was there a reason the character's doing this, or was this just an editing, editing mistake? And then I read in the trivia that there was an editing mistake there. So. Oh, okay. That didn't show up in my trivia. That's funny. They decide this, what they're doing right now is ridiculous, but then they agree that they just want to go and touch a bunch of stuff. <laughs> right. So we get like a montage of them you know, messing around with moose, ty- uh, turtle, lion, uh, and then... As they're around the moose, you can see the guy, the security guy, who is the guy from Veep, and I'm sure other things, but that's what I always remember. Yeah, I'll come back to him, because I have sort of a list of things that we know him from. Perfect. Uh, Back to Ted, Zoe, and the captain. Ted wants to know how he got the name. A real man gives himself a nickname. (laughs) And Ted immediately bites. So Ted says he's... Galactic President Superstar McAwesomeville. And I'm impressed with the captain's callback. Yes, or, me or, too. Immediately yeah, able his, to pick it up and recite right. it back. <laughs> not callback, but recall. Yes. We're clearly not those people that can do that. Captain says he might leave early to go check up on the boat. Ted's excited about this. The boat? There's a boat? You must tell me about this boat. And Captain's more than happy to. Of course, he likes boats. His name is Captain, and he wears a captain hat. A la Hugh Hefner. Who did not have a boat. Or maybe he did, I don't know. But he wore a captain's hat. He did. There's a lot of boat talk going back and forth. And all this excitement about boats that Ted's feigning (laughs) fools the captain. The captain says, I like Galactic President Superstar McAwesomeville. You're coming on the boat sometime. (laughs) And then he leaves by stepping off. I like Ted's. Man, I wish me and my dad were as close as you guys are. (laughs) Right. We get sort of a stupid line from Zoe because she's already... She's already done this gag with the tape right. recorder, but I think this was just their way to reintroduce the tape recorder to right. us. Yeah, where she, is she hiding this tape recorder? I guess she, in the bag. She ends it with, you're going down. <laughs> down where? To the Yacht Club? Oh, I'd love to. 
Wait, I'm half Jewish. Will that be a problem? <laughs> that, was, that, that was a really good line. That made me laugh. Well, apparently Josh Radner is half Jewish. I don't know if I knew that before. Hmm. The good half. Yeah, I don't know what that means. I don't know either. But <laughs> it's from uh, Goodfellas. How is it? Yeah, where Ray Liotta's character is taking Karen out for the first date, and he's picking her up at her house, and her parents open the door, and as they're leaving, the mom says, so she tells me you're half Jewish, which is a lie. And mm-hmm. he goes, well, the good half. Okay. <laughs> well, I know what it means. It means if you're half one thing and one the half other, saying the good half of me is Jewish means you're leaning towards that side of your heritage. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm just... I'm half Polish and half a whole bunch of other stuff, so it's hard to lean into any one of them. Well, you're half, aren't you like half Catholic, half Methodist? (laughs) Yeah, I'd say I'm like at this point a third Catholic, a third Methodist, and a third Jewish. Just by the amount of Jewish holidays that we celebrate here. Oh, okay. I ran across a YouTube video that caught my attention saying, learn the differences between all the different sects of Christianity. So it's like, oh, I'd like to know what all these different sects sure. are. And so I started it. It was like a 15-minute video. I think I got seven minutes. I was like, okay, <laughs> that's all I could take. I'm not going to remember this. Some of the differences are so subtle. I'm sure I learned about it. I think I've mentioned this before. I can't remember if it was on the podcast or not. But yeah, it's because I went to a Catholic university, I had to take, I think it was six credits in some sort of like... Theology? Catholic history, okay. yeah, theology. And so at one point I knew all of the Catholic history, like, because there's like thing. oh my gosh, it's been, what, 20 years, so it's <laughs> hard to remember, but there's like, you know, the platforms essentially change in the direction of the church. And Yeah, it's interesting. Around the same time that I'm watching this video, I'm also, you know, reading the book, The History of the World, mm-hmm. and I'm around the time of... Martin Luther and Calvinism and oh, all this okay. stuff kind of came up around the same time. I liked, I think one of the reasons I watched the video is because it sort of reinforced yeah. the same stuff I was reading at the same time. Yeah. Because that stuff doesn't stick very well. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're already reading up on that, that actually would probably be a somewhat interesting video to watch. We're back with Lily and Marshall, and as they're having a very serious conversation about his decision, we get Ted from across the room saying wieners, wieners and gonads and, and things of those natures. I mean, so presumably he can hear them talking back, right? Or is it one way? I think it goes both ways. <laughs> but that's but I think they play with that a little bit because when he's saying things that Zoe can hear from across the room, he's not hearing her conversation. So it might be one way or they might just not be worrying right. about being consistent with it. Right. Because it's, you know, if Ted can hear what they're talking about, it is kind of rude for him to be interrupting. Lily wants to know what college Marshall would say to him right now. And like his, honestly, probably something pretentious and pseudo-intellectual, like, and then you hear boogers from (laughs) Ted across the room. He points out that Lily changed too. She doesn't spell women with a Y anymore, and she just needs to be comfortable with this. And she wants to know how long he's felt this way and since he started GMB, which is a surprise to hear. Yeah, I feel like that's bullshit. That's retconning a little bit. Yeah. We had many episodes of him being unhappy working there and one where he actually rage quits. Hershey squirts. (laughs) 
back to Robin and Barney. Uh, Barney's about to touch some boobs on an exhibit, and then Robin walks up holding like a tiny penguin and asks, "How, she, <laughs> how do you like my date's tux?" And then says he's stuffed. He doesn't want any <laughs> appetizers. <laughs> and then really laughs at her own joke. Right, and repeats it. Stuffed. We get Ted approaching Zoe again. She's having a conversation with a couple, with an older couple, and the man has a monocle. <laughs> Ted cannot believe this. Yeah, Ted cannot contain his enthusiasm for this. Oh my God, you have a monocle. Is this real? Is this really happening? <laughs> Zoe pulls him away before he can embarrass her even more. She, <laughs> As he walks away, good luck killing James Bond. Mm-hmm. He yells at her that he wants his crossword day back. That's what he needs from her, and... Yeah, and he, you know, just tell her, go live your perfect life, leave me alone. Then she turns the tide a little bit here. Her life isn't perfect. And she, there's a little more back and forth, but she basically starts to cry a little bit. He tries to sort of resist this, but it is affecting him. We cut back to Lily and Marshall. They're still going on and on. So every time you've talked about being an environmental lawyer since then, that was a lie. And then he lawyers her with he never he would always make up words to uh, sound like he was agreeing with her whenever she brought it up well I think this should be an interesting you know revelation to Lily that apparently he was never talking during the last two and a half years about being an environmental lawyer he was just responding to her with a firm toodly and yep skirdoodles (laughs) he wants to know what she wants from him which is kind of the same thing Zoe said to Ted a minute ago, and she says she wants him to be the person she fell in love with. Ew. <laughs> I was yeah, I was bouncing that one around in my head where it's like yeah, I I, I I get that, but yeah, people grow and change. And how old are they supposed to be at this point? Like, has to be at least what fifteen years since they've been out of college. Mm-hmm. So now Robin and Barney are basically walking around in clothes that they <laughs> that they took off exhibits. Barney's is Barney is now like the King Pharaoh. Tut. Yeah, or Pharaoh. <laughs> and he kind of jumps out at Robin who's walking around in that fur and spear, <laughs> spear that I was talking about. And I noticed they, they have it wrong in the transcript here that we use where after he scares her, he goes, nailed it. And the, if you read the... Closed caption. Yeah, the closed caption, he actually says, nailed it, <laughs> as in the Nile. <laughs> nice. I missed that. <laughs> And then they get busted. Uh, the actor that plays the security guard is Dan Bacadal, and we best know him as sort of the really gross senator in Veep, mm-hmm. who's always saying something disgusting to his to his, his to his staff his staffer. Oh yeah, poor Jonah. He's always like sexually shaming him in one way or another. I, I can't remember any of the quotes, but it's always really horrible, right. but funny. He's in. He was had a long run in the Goldbergs. He was in seven episodes of the Mindy Mindy Project. Project. Hmm. I feel like we just saw him in something else, like probably just like a one-off role. Yeah, he pops up a lot in older things. We're back to Zoe and Ted, and she explains that she got married to the captain when she was twenty-two. Ted kind of tries to comfort him, like, he seems like a good guy, but Zoe hates boats. Yep, she gets seasick, and that's why she's focusing on the Arcadian, because it's big and solid. And That makes no sense. And no, it's, like, the stupidest. <laughs> stupidest thing she could come up with, but Ted falls for it. Yeah, and he says that 
He thinks the Arcadian should be a landmark. The Lionhead stonework is iconic. He hates that they have to tear it down. He hates working for GMB. They're a bunch of wieners and gonads. Stick with the theme of his language for the evening. <laughs> right. And then, Ted, Zoe, you don't really see this coming if you're seeing right. this for the first time. But Zoe goes, Ted, that was really easy. And she <laughs> pulls out her little tape recorder, rewinds it. Ted, they're a bunch of wieners and gonads. Which, yeah. If I'm Ted, I'm completely panicking now. We're in the security guard's office. He's there with Robin and Barney, and he says, well, aren't you too clever? But this guy's seen every kind of prank you can think of. He names a few, and then he ends it with, one time a kid knocked down the blue whale. (laughs) And Robin is astounded. Yeah, so she asked him to repeat it. He said, not just someone, a six-year-old. Barney's starting to (laughs) smile. And then the security guard goes, oh, yeah, that story is legend. And then he checks his phone. Hold on. Derry. (laughs) So uh, it's kind of funny. Yeah. And Barney wants to know if he knows who the young man's, who the, what the young na- man's name was. And for some reason, the security guard stops lecturing them and just, and just like come, gets pulled into it. He, he, could, he could check the files. He doesn't remember, but he could check the files. I'm not sure why the security guard goes down this road. At this point, he doesn't know that it might be Barney. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board for it, though. Are we? Is it? Was he the security guard back then? <laughs> he, I guess he. Well, he said the le- the story's legendary, so it might have been something he just had heard of. Yeah. So we cut over to Arthur and the captain. They're in a crowd of other men, or I guess men and women. Apparently, the captain had just sung three songs from Guys and Dolls, and now wants Arthur to repeat his part from Guys and Dolls. <laughs> like, really move on the captain. Yeah, I really love Bob Odenkirk's <laughs> demeanor here. He knows he's about to be humiliated, but he does it anyways. It says, take your seats, everyone. The show's about to start, and then calls him a douche as he walks away. <laughs> captain sees Ted, you know, sitting, sipping his drink, looking a little forlorn. And he empathizes with him. She does that. She does the tape recorder thing to him, too. He thinks Ted's a good guy. He goes, you're a good guy. Galactic President Superstar McCossonville. And pulling that name out. Impressive. Yeah. So he's going to erase the tape for Ted. Then Ted says, you know what? Don't. He kind of admires her for standing up for what she believes in. And we, Which is such a dumb move on Ted's part. Well, but it works. And think if he didn't, hadn't done that. Zoe had been listening to them. Through no, the but echo. she doesn't delete it. Oh, you mean in the long run? Yeah. Yeah, okay, but... But yes, now she hears what her... It's, she's too late, uh, later on. Well, no, actually it does become pretty close to not getting built, based on her actions. But yeah, so unfortunately Zoe overhears the captain basically acting like she's a child with little hobbies. Yeah. Yeah, they're not a good couple. No. All right, let's, let's read this security report. You be Robin, I'll be the security guard. <laughs> All right? Okay. July 23rd, 1981, incident report. At approximately 1,000 hours. 1,000 hours? Oh, 10,000. Yeah, well, it appears on what? As 1,000. <laughs> All right, let me start over. July 23rd, 1981, incident report. At approximately 10,000 hours. 1,000 hours. There we go. No. Vandal dislodged rib from Triceratops skeleton. No. And flung said rib at a giant whale. No. Causing said giant whale to fall in a downward trajectory. No. And the vandal's name. No. Well, I'll be damned. Barney Stimson. (laughs) No. No. 
Barney says, who's the master Leroy celebrating this? That's a line from The Last Dragon. It's a movie from the early 80s. Uh, 84, 85, some mid-80s maybe. Uh, about a African-American protagonist who is a kung fu expert and kind of runs up and against a bunch of bad guys. Hmm. Okay. Very popular movie back then. Actually, line draw. What's that? So that's a weird like, line to pull out. Yeah, you have to really know your pop culture history to, <laughs> right. to recognize that. People of my age typically know that movie. Well, apparently you're the same age as Barney. Yeah, that's true. And I remember I actually saw it, this is really going to make me sound old, in a drive through theater. <laughs> a drive-in? Drive in? A drive-in oh. theater. I wish, you know, supposedly there are drive-in theaters. I want to go to one, but they're all so far away from us. Like, I think that would be fun. If it's the right movie, I'd, I'd certainly be willing to go do that. Yeah, maybe we'll look into it when summer hits. Um, and so the but, security guard keeps reading the report. Stinson was reprimanded and returned to the custody of his father, Jerome Whitaker. Who Barney remembers as Uncle Jerry, but the security guard says, no, it's his father. We cut to... Oh, I did want to go back. I think what a great callback could have been is if early on when they were touching the sarcophagus or whatever it was, uh-huh. and they were he was like playing with its its uh, outfit, mm-hmm. if we had heard from across the room, young man, <laughs> no, the other man, smooth brother. I, I got where you were going like a second before you said it. <laughs> young yes, man, yes, I think he was Vance smooth. That is. 10,000-year-old... Oh, yes, because he should have been there, presumably. Yeah, they're, I guess they're brothers or cousins. Yeah. They're both Vance Relations Moods. of something. But I'm talking, of course, about the Michael York character from the party that they go to during Robots versus Wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah, that would have been really good. I guess you can't just book Michael York for one line. You know what his pay quote is? It's got to be out of this world. Are we get Lily wandering into a room on her own and... She runs into a college marshal exhibit, and there's he's there with a sandwich, mm-hmm. wanting to know what's wrong. Does she want to hit of his sandwich? And there's a back and forth. She wants him, and he's confused. You know, how have I changed? How has the right. older me changed? And it basically comes down to, well, you're just a corporate person now. And I think it's kind of a cute scene, and it does straighten her out and get her out of this stance towards Marshall about how much he's changed and all that. I, it solves the problem. Mm-hmm. It's it's the better part of this interaction between the two of them, or the only decent part. I do like how he wants to know if he's not as good at making love to her. She says, no, you're better now. You last like two, three times as long. He says, you said any longer, that would be too much. It's okay. College really thinks those are orgasms. Now, Here's the thing I'm wondering, because this is the second time I've seen this in like a movie or TV. The movie probably being American Pie, where uh, one of the female characters isn't quite sure whether or not she's had an orgasm before. Mm-hmm. And the Natasha Leone character is like, no, you haven't. <laughs> is there a time at which girl, girls or women haven't had one yet and think they might have? Yes. The, this actually <laughs> this is a thing to me, yeah. Where you're like, oh, that must have been it. No, I didn't realize that was it. 
Oh, oh, it happened without you really. But I'm, I'm thinking of the other side of it of it didn't happen. But you uh, thought it was because no. you're not, you didn't, you haven't really experienced one yet. No. I, no. <laughs> I had the opposite. I didn't realize like, oh, that's what that was. Maybe we should flesh this out on the podcast. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I was 17. <laughs> There's some jokes about Jane's addiction getting back together. But ultimately, College Marshall says it sounds like corporate Marshall hasn't changed where it counts. The, the real Marshall comes in. Right. Okay. Just in time. He doesn't see Marshall. College Marshall. Yeah. Or the exhibit. I mean, yeah. Obviously, this is all in Lily's head. So. Mm-hmm. And he offers that, let it be okay that I make a lot of money and I'll spend it all spoiling you and our kids. And she's okay with that. They kiss and walk out and we get a slow, sarcastic clap from College Marshall. There he goes, the marathon man, Mr. Stamina himself. I can kiss better than that, old man. I thought that was kind of a good way to end that scene, which was just an okay scene, but I like I I his choices in finishing. Yeah, I, just, I did love Lily's line about that. Like, or Marshall being like, you said any longer would be too much. Like, that just, that just screams college to me. Yeah, the amount of... <laughs> tightrope walking women have to do with guys especially college age about you know no your penis is just the right size and any bigger would be too much and (laughs) you know just how careful girls have to be with boys at that time in their life where they're completely sexually self-conscious or yeah fragile it's a tough time for a guy and which makes it a tough time for a girl. Right. <laughs> I mean, hopefully things are better now. Who knows? No, I don't think that's going to improve at all. No. I mean, I think maybe there's more information out there. There's more for them to read about. That's true. What your experience could be like. And maybe there's some better places to find suggestions of how to be better at it. Or you can have more sources of comparison. Of Right. I, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe We're that has changed a bit. But a lot of reassurance has to come from women to their boyfriends aged 15 to 23, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, that sounds about right. This went off on a weird tangent. <laughs> uh, so we get Robin and Barney, you know, just, you know, they've left the security office. Apparently there's no repercussions for anything they were doing. Um, and so Robin just asks, you know, when was the last time that you saw him? And apparently, it was that day. Yeah, apparently his mom got really mad, and he did not come around anymore after that. He thinks he moved away. Robin said, well, maybe the security guy had it wrong. You never know. And then Barney says, but you do know. You do know. That's the thing. You know. He's my dad. But Barney doesn't want her to share this with anybody. I think he, he doesn't he want to pressure to do something about it. Yeah, and he has to process it. We get back to Ted and Zoe, and she assures him. Well, she starts talking to him, and he thinks she's trying to dance. Mm-hmm. And so they start dancing. She accedes. I do like that before this happens, he asks the guy with the monocle if it costs half as much as glasses. I don't know. I think at this point he's getting a little obnoxious. <laughs> yeah, he absolutely is. So she tells him he doesn't need to worry. She's not going to use the tape. She lies and says she erased it, but we don't find that out till later in the season. She's going to be in fair and square. She... Enjoys how easily he can be manipulated by a woman, and then he makes fun of how gross she looks when she cries. But it's in the same way. It's a little bit of it's a little bit flirty. Yeah. There's definitely a look between them as this scene ends. 
And then we cut to the final scene at work. It says 3 a.m. Or no, it doesn't say it. I guess we it, just hear it from... Yeah. Yeah, Arthur. We hear it from Arthur. Like Marshall's working late in his office. And Arthur comes through. Erickson, it's at 3 a.m. You know what? You might as well not even go home. <laughs> but Arthur's still there. As, as, he says it as if that's like a, a treat. You know what? <laughs> might as well not. Right. Not even go home. Or maybe it's to fool us to think he's going to say, you might as well go home. Right. You know, call tonight. I'm getting flashbacks to me working till 2.30 in the morning. Yeah. A couple weeks ago. <sighs> Rough night. And so we get, like, a pullback where it shows, like, corporate Marshall, and then in parentheses, like it did with college Marshall, extinct. And so we get the narrator saying that, you know, Marshall stayed at Goliath National Bank, but it wouldn't last forever. It was one thing I did pick up from the trivia that I didn't I didn't pause to read the fake article. But in it, apparently, it's quoting Arthur as saying their new corporate mantra is new is always better. <laughs> what do you think I ranked this? Oh, you think this is a rankable it, episode? I made top, top 100. Right. I think you ranked it 96. 98. Damn. Very close. What is your favorite joke? Um, my favorite joke is split between Marshall and Barney in the tuxes initially and Robin carrying the penguin. <laughs> okay, mine is the fat cat bit at the beginning. Okay. My least favorite, I, I mean, and this might be yours too, it's just all of Lily. All of whiny Lily. Mm. I actually picked when Robin mentioned Barney's testicles. Okay. <laughs> just seemed Small potatoes. Unnecessary. I guess maybe going with the theme of wieners and gonads. Well, we have some better episodes coming up. We have Glitter and then Blitzgiving mm. are the next two. Great. So something to look forward to, something to inspire us to do a little better. <laughs> we are going to New York City next weekend, so we really need to try and do something mm-hmm. before we go. And then I know in May we have... May's going to be rough. Yeah, May's going to be rough because we have one week where I'm traveling and then the next week you're traveling. And, and then we intersect on Mother's Day. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. I haven't bought my ticket yet. Because, yeah, I think... And then... So you're gone, and then you come back, and then you and Tyler are going camping. <laughs> right. The and then when we scouts. get back, you're leaving for the airport, so... Yeah. I was going to try to take a later flight. Do we... We're talking about this on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot <laughs> we were doing a podcast. You know, I was, I was thinking, oh, I can just erase all this, but... <laughs> I think I'm going to keep that in just because you forgot, and we're just going <laughs> off. That's the real us, people. Yep. This is what everyday conversations look like. All right. So be sure to write to us at runklerecaps at gmail.com. And from Jen and her fat cat husband, Steve, we bid you adieu. (laughs) Bye. Go industry.